early days of the American frontier, people relied on steam engines to transport them through wild landscapes to spectacular new places. In this current era, we have something that allows for an even greater adventure, the search engine. So make sure you grab your ticket because we are going on a first class ride across the web. Well, hello there, valued listeners. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of What's Going On, the podcast that makes you wonder about things that you've never wondered about. Oh, yeah. In this episode, we're continuing on with our holiday series. Woo-hoo. With the holiday that's coming up, I guess depending on when you're listening to it, it might not be coming up. It may have already <laughs> passed, but Uh-oh. we're doing uh, Thanksgiving, you know, our favorite little turkey holiday. Uh, so to get us started off, what are you thankful for or what is your favorite Thanksgiving food, JJ? Uh, I'm going to say I'm thankful for right now family and friends mainly just because, I mean, during all these crazy times, I've been able to... Obviously, we're all isolated right now, stuck in our own like house, but having a solid base of support from friends and family, being able just to like talk to people, you know, obviously it's not in person, but I don't know, seeing a bunch of loved ones, seeing their faces, getting some smiles in, it's made this time not quite as crazy. Uh, I'm sure, shout out to my girlfriend Bridget and my puppy Miles for entertaining me a lot more <laughs> than the average. I'm sure they're getting pretty sick and tired of me at this point, but... No, I think it's uh, super important to have that little base. I feel like, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but I feel like you and me, ironically, have grown. I mean, obviously, we've been best friends since we were like three years old, but we've grown even closer over a pandemic just because of how much we've been able to talk, you know, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, little definitely. gifts, little gifts that uh, you don't really think about too much. So very thankful for that. Favorite food-wise, though, I'm going to have to say, um, I'm going to have to say, favorite part of the thanksgiving meal would always be those like cheesy potatoes i don't know Hmm. what specifically they're called but like the it's like little cubes of potatoes it's got like thick cheese on it it's got like a hard cheese crust you know what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about i don't know what it is it's like a casserole type deal yeah yeah, but it's like strictly cheese and potatoes very unhealthy um (laughs) yeah what about you buddy uh i mean i'm definitely thankful for like technology in general. I feel like it uh it gets a, a bad rap nowadays with like mm-hmm. I don't know, the amount everyone's kinda sucked into it, which I definitely get. But, you know, as you were saying, it definitely helps bring people closer together. I mean, we're more than half a country away right now, but yet yeah, we're still able to put this podcast on, <laughs> you know, every week and all that. So mm. definitely very thankful th- for that and uh I don't know. Even even somehow thankful for the pandemic because it really it makes you really think about what's important to you and like absolutely I don't know makes you focus on that and all all of that. So been thankful for that kind of you know yeah. not yeah, it, to it, say it's a good <laughs> thing, but trying to make the best out of a bad situation. I feel like uh, it's really made. Sorry to cut you off. I think it's really no, no. made what? you realize who almost your true friends are. Because I feel like everyone at the start of this had a huge base of friends. And then slowly over time, just like the consistent ones that you actually like talk with, you're like, oh, shit, okay, this is my real, like, real best friend group. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of bad to put it that way, but yeah. yeah I mean, I still does. love all my friends. And, they're, they're, and uh, 
there is also shout out to Phil. Love you, buddy. If you're listening to this, but there is also friends, obviously that you don't like talk to very much over the phone. But as soon as you're in Preston, you're like, Hey, and shit like that. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, food wise. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I, Turkey to be very basic is, is my favorite part of the Thanksgiving holiday because that hurts me. It's not really something that I, I eat too often, but like that, like cooked turkey especially when it's like done well and like moist and all that which in my family is not common like whenever we get together for thanksgiving like the turkey is terrible it's bone dry it's awful like (laughs) so it's when the whole family gets together but when like we do it just at my house like my dad cooks a good turkey and i like that but don't talk shit about when the whole you know whole extended family gets together that turkey is like dry as a desert and it's terrible okay but uh i i'd have to say turkey just because it's it's the the interesting staple that comes around that i don't have as much you know on a normal basis you know what you ready for it unpopular opinion oh turkey's pretty ass really what all right so and i'm sure you're gonna realize this as soon as i say it Mom's side of the family, we never have turkey on Thanksgiving. We always go with some sort of like honey. Did you ham. do ham? Yeah, yeah, we do like a pineapple honey ham sort of thing. Yeah, we usually have ham too. Oh, which you just double. I'm up. usually not a huge ham fan, honestly. Yeah, I but think it's better than the bone dry turkey. So yeah. that is usually <laughs> what I have on Thanksgiving <laughs> it, with the extended family. With the immediate, yeah, yeah. then it's turkey over ham. I got you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob's turkey is number one. That's for sure. <laughs> we don't fuck around when it comes to Bob's turkey. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like that's uh, a very unpopular opinion. But even I feel like there is a decent amount of people that have ham instead of turkey on Thanksgiving. I know it's like the tradition, but I feel like ham is on a on a rise here. I've heard it. Yeah, that's actually times. something that uh, I will talk about later. But that oh. comes from some southern influences and all of that. That so. makes sense. Mom is from OK or Oklahoma. If you don't know what oh, that yeah, means, oh yeah, that's so. true. Could be right there. Hmm. Wow, the more you know. So it looks like we are getting straight into the history of things. So let's go ahead and take it off. In early September 1620, a group of about 102 colonists basically hopped on a ship. A lot of us probably know what that ship is called. It's the good old Mayflower. And they left Plymouth, England. Uh, The trip took basically a brutal 66-day journey to be able to land not in the spot they were shooting for here in North North America. They were very far north of the destination they were hoping for. And where they were hoping for was somewhere around the Hudson Bay. Uh, With that, they landed and they're like, oh, shit, this isn't where we're looking for. And so they had to take a little bit more of some fun travels and go down into the mouth of the Hudson Bay. And they finally began to settle and they tried to create a new civilization, and they called the city Plymouth again. I <laughs> was very upset by that. I was like, well, you left Plymouth. Why would not just try and give it, I don't know, some sort of creativity? That's it, very interesting because I knew what it was called, and when you said they left Plymouth, I, I'm like, oh, well, they didn't really venture out too far with what they called the new place. That I, they know, I know. I saw that, and I literally was like, this is a point I have to bring up. Like this, this is very, <laughs> this is very sad. I'm not happy about this. 
I mean, you travel across the entire ocean in this crazy journey, and then you set up a whole new city, a whole new spot, and you're just like, let's call it the same shit we left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in general, though, I don't think they were too creative. Like, the whole area, they called it New England when they yeah. came from England. So, yeah. you know, yeah. what more do you really expect, I guess? No, and I'm annoyed. But either way, so <laughs> since they left in September, and it took 66 days uh basically landing here in like late november and going straight into winter so that entire first like season that they got here was actually quite brutal and an interesting fact is they landed and the funny thing is a good majority of them for the winter season actually didn't even like move that far inland they just stayed on the ship so that they could get like blocked off a little bit from the harsh weather that they were experiencing a little bit of a sad note the group that left, friendly reminder, I said 102 colonists, over half of them died due to the exposure of the elements, uh, scurvy, and other like contagious diseases that came about. So not starting off strong. We're about a couple of months here, and over half the people that left have now died. Uh, <laughs> Quick interruption, brutal. and I know you probably don't know, but why is scurvy such a big thing? with people on ships so i do know like, actually um, oh really okay yes so the reason why scurvy even happens and which it wasn't really determined until much later in life shout out to that epidemiology class once again um <laughs> the first the first case study was actually on scurvy and this doctor pretty much went on to a boat and was like all right scurvy super popular with you know uh, pirates, shipmen, whatever you want to call it. Seamen is the the big thing for him. Sailors. Um, and yeah. so what he basically did is he had eight groups. And those groups, when they started experiencing symptoms of scurvy, he gave some sort of, like, remedy or item for them to, like, basically congest and decided to, like, see what uh, actually gave it the cure. And the one group that started getting better was the group that actually was just eating raw lemons. And so the reason why a lot of semen get scurvy is because they don't have a lot of vitamin C. Because normally, like, I feel like lemons and oranges and stuff kind of go bad pretty quickly. So they get more hearty, longer-lasting things on ships. And so with that, they were just not getting the, like, vitamin C. And I think it's vitamin C. If not, I'm an idiot. Yeah. yeah. But no, whatever vitamin that they're getting from those, like, acidic fruits is very, very necessary. So, yeah, that's what causes scurvy. And then after that guy... Who basically, he's the father of epidemiology, actually, because, like I said, the very first case study, uh, which is actually super cool. I really enjoyed that fact, so I'm glad you brought it up. So so I, I realize that, but at the same time, even living in Florida, where they are known for the orange, I don't know the last time I've eaten an orange, or a lemon for that fact. So like, another thing that's Why different... am I not getting scurvy not eating that? So... The reason why in which it's not like the greatest, obviously, vitamins you can be digesting now, but there's a lot of food that is enriched now with like vitamins and other nutrients that normally the food didn't have in the past. Mm. And obviously, this is so the average person who might not eat a lot of fruits and vegetables would still have a little <laughs> bit of vitamins and in, in yeah. proper nutrients for their body. Because there's a lot of, I mean, if you look at anything now, 
uh, box wise, especially cereals. Yeah. I feel oh like my god. You look enriched flour and like vitamin enriched. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, there's even fucking like uh, what is it like V8 drinks and stuff like that. That's like, oh, here's like a, like there's so many things here. They're like, here's a hundred percent of the vitamin C you need right now. And you're just like, really? It's a soda. And you're like, I don't fucking know. Or an <laughs> so. energy drink, which gives you like three thousand percent of your yeah. daily vitamins. You're of good something, for and you're a like, week. is that safe? <laughs> I mean, the, it is safe because the thing is that, like, your body can only digest or, like, a absorb certain amount, a yeah, certain yeah. amount of nutrients. So the majority of it, I mean, it's like, holy shit, you got, like, 8,000% in you. But majority of it, you're pissing out, which is why, like, multi, like, daily vitamins really aren't super effective because there is a limit to, like, what your body can digest. So mm. interesting little facts right there. But yeah, back to the colonists. Uh, half yeah, of them died. Sorry to distract you so much. <laughs> no, I no, could no. honestly talk about this for a while, and I know that's like kind of your specialty, so I'm yeah, trying not yeah. to get you too distracted. No, it's all good. I'm very excited. I love talking about it. I think it's very interesting. Nu- Nutrition-wise, there's so much. And the funny thing is I my major was only like touching nutrition. I mean, there's people that literally like strictly like – major in nutrition and i would love to like get someone like that on our podcast and really pick their mind and find out even more like distinct things about it i don't know how much of this we need to eat every day because it like helps with this um Mm. our bodies are crazy we've talked about that before so i think that'd be a really fun uh conversation but yeah back to colonists so suffered through a harsh winter a lot of them died uh, around mid-March, they finally are like, hey, it's starting to get a little bit nicer out. Let's like start heading inland just a little bit. And when they did, and they started like creating their own little civilization, uh, they came across a Native American named, and I'm s- going to butcher this, Samoset? Somoset? Uh, Som- I'm not too sure how to say it. I'm going to say Samoset for it. Who was actually a subordinate chief of the Abenaki tribe. And to their surprise, he actually greeted them in English. And he learned English due to other settlers who uh, basically settled a little bit more north, probably closer to where they originally landed. But they said, fuck that. That's not where we're going. So they <laughs> were going for a whole new city there. Um, and to his surprise, I mean, it's pretty interesting seeing a whole group of people literally like just getting there. So, I mean, he saw other settlers that were a little bit more comfortable and uh Either way, he saw these newcomers and was just like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? And he started talking to them about, like, the land that they were coming into and the surrounding, like, the surrounding tribes uh, that were basically around him and just, like, more information about those tribes. Obviously, it's probably good to get the lay of the land. And for that information, he was given, like, various gifts and stuff, nothing too crazy. Uh, and they were like, oh, like, please, like, thank you for all your help. We really appreciate it. This is, like... Obviously, it, it, I could only imagine how crazy of a journey that is. Like, yeah, exploring a whole new territory, you have no idea really what you're expecting. And that, like one of the first things you see after like a brutal winter of like half of your people dying is just a person who's like, oh, shit, this is how you like live here. <laughs> hey, what's up, dude? Yeah. no, and You're be- like, no one else can communicate with us, but somehow there's this random person who knows what yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, just wander in the woods. Uh, very lucky, very lucky, especially with that sparse population back then. But either way, he talked to him for a while, and after a little bit, he was like, all right, I got to return back to my village, but I'll promise I'll come back. I'll bring some more of my native people, 
And that's exactly what he did. He brought a handful of people back, and they all brought, like, extra furs, tools, and various, like, items that they could trade. Funny thing is, a decent amount of them were either, like, stolen or traded from other colonists. So (laughs) some of the tools they were seeing, like, hey, this looks a little familiar of something we might have. But either way, they were appreciative of the extra um, gear, pretty much, that they didn't have. And out of that group of natives that came, there was one native in particular who was nicknamed Squanto. Uh, his full name, I think, is like Tisquantico or something like that. Either way, he's mainly known as Squanto. And he was actually better able to translate than the original native that they found in the woods. And the reason why, it's a little sad. Uh, Squanto's got a pretty sad history behind him when he was younger he was actually kidnapped by an English sea captain and was sold into slavery. Um, mm-hmm. That boat returned back to European countries, and he was actually like stationed somewhere in Spain. But due to some Spaniards who like took pity on him and through just certain circumstances, uh, he was actually able to escape back to England. And then a handful of years later, he joined a exploratory expedition to come back to his native land. How fucking crazy is that? What a wild life. And when he, this is the real sad part. When he got back to his native land, he immediately obviously like fled the group he was with. And he got back to his village, which he found empty. And the reason why was a plague actually like came through and wiped out his entire like tribe a couple of years before. And so he was like kind of the last of his little group. And he kind of was like, well, damn, uh, might as well keep wandering off. And that's how he found Samoset's group. But because all of that like rough past, he actually was able to like move onward and become a super major part of American history. So thank you, Squanto, for everything you did. Uh, shout out <laughs> from like 400 years ago. Uh, yeah, wow. You went deep into that. Like I saw that he just kind of got mentioned as like the helper for the colonists and all that but i no. had no idea he had such a crazy uh past dude it's wild it's really wild i yeah we were talking about how crazy it must be to live a life like that but i mean to be kidnapped go into like a foreign land and then be smart enough and quickly pick up their like language to be able to somehow escape and then get on a boat back to your land like that's that's a smart fucking man like that's incredible yeah and here comes the really cool part even though it was like English uh, or like England, like a uh, sea captain that like kidnapped him uh, when he came with, oh, I forgot his name, uh, Samoset to the group. He saw that a majority of them that were still alive obviously were like extremely malnourished and starving. And even though he had such a rough past with them, he still was like, I got to be the bigger person here. And he helped them pretty much learn the lay of the land and taught them like basically everything that they needed to know there is obviously new rivers which mean they had new fish he taught them like how to catch these new fish uh poisonous plants to be wary of and then his uh like a really big contribution was how to grow corn and then his like top contribution to the group is that there was a tribe that was relatively close by called the oof this is another one wampa noega tribe wampa noega that's how i'm gonna go with it and he pretty much like talked to the chief of that tribe and was like, hey, these are good people. They're struggling. They're on your land. They're trying to get settled. Like, help them out a little bit. And he actually created an alliance between the settlers and that tribe. And 
this alliance was actually like one of the sole relationships between the settlers and the native people that actually had some sort of like harmony and peace between them. And they had peace for over 50 Mm -hmm. years as they like basically grew together, which is actually super cool. So once again, thank you, Squanta. You're (laughs) a man we didn't deserve. Uh, Jumping forward just a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. So about a year later, November 1621, settlers have been there for about a year. And with the help of Squanto and the Wampanoaga tribe, the settlers actually had a successful corn harvest. And with the successful harvest, the governor, William Bradford, organized a celebratory feast and invited, I think, a small group of the Native American allies, which included the Wampanoaga chief, Massasoit. I'm going to say that's how I pronounce it. And uh, the celebration would actually go on to be considered the very first example of Thanksgiving. And it lasted for an entire three days. And a good majority of historians believe that even though they had a successful corn harvest, by the end of that first year, a majority of the dishes and spices would probably resemble native cuisine because you can only get so much food off of your very first year of farming. Um, Mm. And their sugar rations were probably getting quite low at that point that late in the fall so that's the first example of uh thanksgiving (laughs) pretty crazy yeah yeah definitely not exactly what uh we picture today but no no it's it's pretty crazy that all that had to come together to i don't know basically start off the the i don't know i don't know american settlements Mm -hmm. like other otherwise without squanto it seems like uh they would have been in a pretty bad place those plymouth uh civilians would have been pretty fucked i believe (laughs) so i guess uh continuing on from there how the holiday kind of evolved over the years this day of thanksgiving was not completely new it had some historical roots in some Puritan practices where they kind of celebrated days of thanks uh, for lucky events such as the ends of war or drought and things like that. So it had kind of become a tradition to have some sort of celebration to celebrate, I guess, uh, uh, a big event and that uh kind of had happened in the first celebration and then did not happen again until 2 years later where at the end of a long drought that uh same governor called for some religious fasting but then to celebrate it a day of thanks which would become the the second thanksgiving in 1623 and were they, that was kind of followed by another uh, another feast there. Were they celebrating the religious fasting, or what were they, the end of they, the drought? They were celebrating the, the harvest that was threatened by the drought, but then were Still actually can. able to okay. harvest and not die, basically. Yeah, they're like, all right, thank you for at least some of it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically throughout the years after the 1600s until almost the 1800s, it was kind of just random celebrations that weren't on any sort of annual cadence, but a lot of times would correlate with the uh, harvest just because, you know, that's a good time to celebrate as, hey, we actually were able to produce from the land and feed our civilization for some (laughs) amount of time. You know, definitely something good to, to practice. Yeah. So this... 
This Thanksgiving didn't really have a specific date that it would be held on, but it kind of began to spread out to other areas in in the actual, you know, surrounding tribes and all of that, uh, surrounding settlements, I mean. And then during the revolution, the first official, I guess, designation of a day of thanks was given by the Continental Congress to celebrate the uh, revolution. And that that kind of became one of the more official Thanksgivings. Uh, and then after the revolution had actually concluded, George Washington picked up that tradition in 1789 and made the first proclamation by the U.S. government for a day of thanks to give thanks for the end of the war and the ratification of the Constitution. Uh, so kind of keeping on with that similar idea of celebrating, you know, a lucky or fortunate event. Hmm. Um, n- not really on any specific time frame or anything like that, but uh, just a general celebration to take stock of what you have in life and be be thankful, which is definitely the idea we have today. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that continued for... Only a couple more presidents after him, John Adams and James Madison, also designating their own days of thanks throughout their presidency. But it kind of... I'm not too sure... Sorry for interrupting. I'm not too sure if you would know this, but were they relatively in the same time around like harvest time then? Or for the day of thanks? Because I'm assuming that that's probably what they're still all thankful for in that early age, right? That I do Or is it just random? Know. Oh, okay, okay. Just because... No worries. The in general, this did not have much of a structure. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was researching as well. I didn't know if it still like was around harvest time, and that's when they're like, "Oh shit! Thank God we have food." Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was just curious. But I appreciate it. Continue, please. Uh, yeah. So this this uh, celebration kind of fell off, and by 1815, there were there wasn't really any sort of national celebration that was had uh but oh, then damn. by 1817 new york was the first state to have an official annual thanksgiving holiday um and shortly following that a uh, number of the other states and colonies uh started to adopt a similar tradition on their own at separate times kind of doing their own thing and uh by 1850 a majority of states uh had actually their own set practice but none of these were really combined into any sort of similar fashion or on any same date it was kind of just whatever the state thought they wanted to celebrate when they wanted to celebrate it that was their (laughs) thanksgiving you know Um, (laughs) but then uh someone kind of interesting came along a name sarah Josephia Hale, who later became known as the Mother of Thanksgiving and was the editor for a popular woman's magazine in the time, wrote a number of editorials and pleaded with basically every president from 1827 until 1863 when she finally succeeded. So for almost 40 years, she petition different presidents to try and make <laughs> this a national thing to 
to actually be appreciative. Damn it! So, yeah, yeah. Be appreciative <laughs> and, and make sure everyone <laughs> celebrates together. But uh, as I had just mentioned, she finally succeeded in 1863 uh, when she pleaded to Abraham Lincoln, who was basically dealing with a country in the midst of war. Um, so yeah. he <laughs> thought that uh, this would be a good way to try and unite the people you know of a war-torn country and he actually declared two thanksgivings that year oh one on august 6th to celebrate the victory at gettysburg and then one on the last thursday in november as that is actually celebrated now damn i think we need two thanksgiving every year i know (laughs) honestly But, I mean, if you do right. that, then you might not even get one because it seemed pretty sporadic on when they'd actually, like, choose to have a, a Thanksgiving celebration. Very true. I mean, he was actually given a specific dates at least, so then you could you could have those dates. <laughs> Is there anything more you wanted to say about Sarah? Uh, Not really. Uh, I didn't go too deep into her, but I know she did have a couple of other interesting things that I... Uh, I wanted you to look into, so let's hear about yeah. that. Yeah, so funny thing, talking about Thanksgiving, and we're going to have a nursery rhyme that we all pretty much know, Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> uh, I could sing it for you. We, we've been having a lot of singing, but I don't think we necessarily need it just now. Uh, crazy thing, I, was, I thought this was going to be a tiny little segment. I couldn't even believe that it was brought up, but there is – a crazy history behind this. So Mary had a little lamb was actually a real event that happened, an actual incident. Uh, and Mary's full name was Mary Elizabeth Sawyer, a woman that was born in 1806 on a farm in Sterling, Massachusetts. And to jump a little bit, when she was about nine, her father owned a farm, obviously with sheep, and they discovered a, very sickly newborn lamb in the sheep pen that had been banded by his mother because mother's like, this shit's going to die. <laughs> um, but Mary uh, pleaded quite a bit to her father and was like, hey, can we please like keep this animal? Like, I'll try and nurse it if it doesn't ha- wake out, it doesn't work out. And he's like, whatever, sure, go ahead. And against all odds, Mary at nine years old was able to nurse this tiny little lamb back to health. Well, when you take care of an animal that's that sick and you basically – you know, take care of until it's fully healthy. They kind of look at you as like a parental figure. So due to this, she pretty much actually had a lamb follow her wherever she went, like the nursery rhyme said. Uh, At this time, Mary was also going into school. And so when she would go into school, uh, the lamb would literally follow her and she would like have the lamb lay down underneath her desk and she would like put a blanket on over it. They said in this article that Mary tried to, like, hide the lamb, but I don't understand how you would hide a full fucking sheep underneath the desk. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone I mean, would be like, oh, my God, it no has way. to get into the room <laughs> at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, <laughs> whatever. All right, so Mary has to come up to the front of class for whatever thing she's reciting or writing on the board, something like that. And then the lamb, like, popped out of its hiding place, and everyone's like, holy shit, no way. <laughs> But they would know, obviously, it's there. And there was actually a man named John Rulestone, who was a student about a year or two older than her. And as Mary was, like, coming back to her seat, he gave her the piece of paper. And it actually had the poem 
that we all know. The like Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow. The whole thing. He actually wrote it and gave it to her. It's funny that she gets credited for it, but just because she's in it. But he was the guy that actually like made it all happen. Huh. So in that in itself, that story is pretty wild. Uh, so how does it connect? I'm going to give you also a little bit of sad history because that's what we love to do here at What's Going On. <laughs> Eventually, that lamb that Mary had a little lamb was written about grew up, had three lambs of her own, <laughs> and then was gored to death by a family cow at four years old. <laughs> So well, that's one death. And then the guy who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb actually was in an accident and he passed away at 17. So <laughs> like every other nursery rhyme, there's some tragedy behind them. But this is how it all connects. Controversy basically began in about 1830 where Sarah Josepha, Joseph, I don't know, Josepha Hale the woman we were just talking about, good old mother of Thanksgiving. She was also obviously a renowned writer and influential editor. And she published an entire book of poems for children. And it included a version of Mary Had a Little Lamb, except she added like tidbits and other things like that. And Mary herself had no idea how this woman would have gotten the poem. And so when she confronted her about it uh hale basically said that she came up with it on the spot which i don't know how the hell that'd be possible to like come up with mary's lamb was what it was titled basically the exact same thing uh so she had to have i don't even know somehow gotten the dude's poem maybe she found him later in life years go by there's a huge debate about who really invented the poem I don't really know why it's a huge debate, but it was it was a big problem between the two for a very long time. And years later, when they're both dead, I have no idea how the hell this comes about. But Henry Ford, the man who <laughs> revolutionized the auto industry, had to give his fucking piece in there. And so he looked at how everything went down and he was like, marry herself. Her version of events is how it actually went down. And he ended up buying the old schoolhouse, which Mary and the Lamb used to go to. And somehow, like, I, I don't know how he got it out there, but he brought the whole schoolhouse to Sudbury, Massachusetts, and then published a book about Mary and her Lamb. And because Henry Ford was so big at the time when he was like, she's the real she's the real story that's how things went down and so that's how we know the version of mary had a little lamb instead of just mary's lamb huh so instead of uh good old sarah's and then one final thing to top it off to make it even crazier the nursery rhyme obviously became super popular i mean shit it got it became popular in like mid 1800s but we still know it today and the poem actually became the very first audio recording in history with Thomas Edison when he recited it in his newly invented phonograph in 1877. One tiny little poem, one tiny little lamb became this huge thing in history, honestly. <laughs> it affected so many people you guys have heard of. Thomas Edison, now Henry Ford, Sarah, Josepha, Hale. Wild. That's honestly How one insane. Little... I had I know. no idea. I saw that it was just attributed to her, and then I'm just like, oh, okay, she probably just wrote it, you know? But Yeah, yeah. I When I originally did research on this, I was like, all right, this is going to be like a two-second thing. And then I like found this article, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, so I'm still wondering, how 
how did she at all come up with that? Like that's, Who, that's uh, still a mystery. Sarah? Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's rumors that somehow she was able to get. Uh, Rule Stone, uh, the kid in class who wrote the poem, somehow she was able to get some sort of, I don't know, like the written piece of the poem. But also, I can only imagine that Mary had a little lamb. I mean, obviously it exploded in popularity. So I'm assuming that maybe in the town that she was from, it, was it started becoming a popular around. poem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm thinking maybe Sarah must have heard something from that. And before it became super, super popular, mm. she's like, I'm going to write it in this fucking book and try and get some, like... Yeah, because she had more of a know, national audience. Because she, you know, she was yeah. an editor for, like, a very popular, you know, magazine yeah. at the time, so... And they were both living relatively close in the same vicinity okay, type. Okay. Obviously, farther away in the state, but... That's what I'm assuming is that she probably heard it and it was still on like some type of local thing. And she's mm-hmm. like, holy shit, that'd be a fucking great thing to put in a book. And it looks like it was. Interesting. But yeah, there was uh, some pretty big controversy. So the mother the of Thanksgiving has a dark side. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the evil bitch that she. <laughs> <laughs> she's thankful still, though. So she at least has a nice side. Funny stuff. But yeah, that's Mary Had a Little Lamb for you. <laughs> so I guess uh, after Lincoln had chosen one of the dates to be for thanksgiving to be the last thursday in november his successors you know future presidents and all of that did not make it an annual fixed event uh each year they kind of proclamated their own day of thanks but it became a tradition to have it be that last thursday in november so it was kind of unofficially that date but there was no national mandate or any sort of proclamation that made it always on that that last thursday in november and that was until 1863 oh no until 1870 when ulysses s grant signed into law the holidays act making it an actual federal holiday and then in 1885 it actually became a a paid holiday for federal workers and all of that. And so basically that solidified the date as the last Thursday in November until a certain other president had a different idea for that. And I think uh, you have something (laughs) for that. Yes, sir. So good old FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, decided to change things up a little bit. And the the reason why he did so, it's 1939, and the world had been suffering from the Great Depression for about a decade. Second World War had erupted in Europe, and the U.S. economy had been pretty much getting trashed uh, slowly but surely. And U.S. retailers were basically like begging him to move thanksgiving up a week in hopes that it would increase shopping days before christmas and with so much like tragedy and just like i don't know depression and just terrible times he was like hopefully fucking moving thanksgiving will brighten things up just a little bit and he didn't move it all that much (laughs) i mean he literally like you said he just moved it to november 23rd was the date that he was thinking and he was hoping it was going to be just this tiny thing but instead the united states had a fucking uproar like like so many people were dissatisfied uh many governors of states were just like fuck this this is bullshit 
things are already going terribly. Why the hell are we going to move Thanksgiving? <laughs> Such a minor thing, but I guess not to a lot of people. So in 1939, the country was basically split in half. 23 states followed FDR's change and declared Thanksgiving to be on November 23rd. Another 23 states said, fuck you, FDR, we're keeping things the way it is. And they kept the traditional date, which is the last Thanksgiving, or the last Thursday for Thanksgiving. And funny enough, two states, Colorado and Texas, shout out to Colorado where I'm living, decided to say, fuck it, we're doing both dates. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted two Thanksgivings about a week apart. So they decided to have two. And I think the biggest thing with this is that the the reason why it was such a big deal was... um, with the two Thanksgiving days, it, with it being split, some families obviously that might have worked out of state didn't. They weren't going to have the same day off of work, so they didn't know like who, like what day to celebrate, depending on like where they were. Because if a state didn't pick it, but they wanted to do it, then they like kind of just like had to do it. It was very messed up. It got a lot more messy than they were planning on. I believe though they kept it around for. I believe another year. Oh man, where is this? Oh yeah, so pretty much FDR really tried to just basically keep Thanksgiving at that new date that he made. He, it didn't matter that the country was pissed off about it. He was like, "We're I'm sticking to my guns. This is what we're doing." And the very next year in 1940, uh 31 states followed him with that earlier date, but still 17 kept the traditional date. So, still yet again two Thanksgivings in that year, which is a little bit funky. Uh, but then it Congress is just like, all right, this is stupid. <laughs> Country shouldn't be pissed off over a holiday that's basically like thanking and <laughs> uniting you know, people, everyone yeah. for what Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is terrible. So then they changed it back here in nineteen forty one. Only two years here, but it was a crazy two years, it sounds like. Hmm. I I think it's so crazy that there was such an uproar about moving Thanksgiving one week. Especially since, yeah, in the past there was no even set date for it, but then I know, I know, it was just random. I don't know. It's very interesting to me. People get so upset over the littlest things. <laughs> I mean, and at that point, I mean, I guess Thanksgiving had been a tradition for a minute. I think it was like what seventy-five years, yeah, in a row that it actually did have a set date. So they're finally getting comfortable with it. <laughs> and they're like, fuck it, we're changing it. <laughs> so I guess I can understand a little bit, but still, it shouldn't have been that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. I guess moving on from there, uh, I kind of wanted to get into the history behind a few Thanksgiving traditions to see why we kind of do what we do for Thanksgiving. The first thing I wanted to look into was the traditional menu of you know turkey, cranberries, pumpkin pie, you know, root vegetables, you know, I I was always wondering why is that? And I guess that's just mainly correlated to uh, New England fall harvests, you know, being very common. Although I have seen many articles that say that there was most likely not turkey actually served on Thanksgiving. There were some reports of some fowl being slaughtered. So that could have been anything from goose to ducks to chickens but it was thought that it was most likely not turkeys but turkey became a bit more popular just for a bit of other i guess convenience reasons uh just having it be 
a little more rare than other animals to have uh, around, so it made it a more special tradition than you know something like pork, which is interesting because then, as you mentioned, ham actually became popular. Um, yeah. But then turkeys also don't have as much of a other use, like a cow or a chicken. So having a turkey for Thanksgiving isn't really as big of a loss to any sort of colonists, especially when it's you know wild turkey and they're not uh, keeping it in ca- captivity. And then also it's a big enough bird that it can feed a whole family. So just kind of due to a number of convenience reasons and then having the turkey kind of being native to the area is how it became associated with the actual holiday and then i guess i did not know but there are a number of other various popular holiday uh foods that are common in different areas of the country that have not spread uh everywhere um i guess in new mexico it's very common to put different types of chilies in stuffing just because that is uh, a very common food there and then uh, near the Chesapeake Bay it's common to have crab as a side dish and down here really? <laughs> in Florida uh, specifically in the Keys uh, key lime pie is just as popular as pumpkin pie uh, just because of the you know the Florida key limes yeah what's your what's your opinion on key lime pie I have literally never had it I've only had the yogurts that are supposed to like was... imitate it <laughs> I was going to say, I think, I don't know if I've ever actually had it. I need to. I, f- I mean, I live in Florida. I need to go down to the Keys one time and have a, there it a is. real key lime pie. We could add it to the list, add it to the list of what's going on, things we actually need to eat. I know. I mean, apparently it became such a big thing that uh, I think it was like the mayor of the Florida Keys at one point wanted to ban all key lime pies that weren't made with limes from the florida keys like in the area <laughs> that's a bit aggressive yeah <laughs> it's it's a a source of pride down here in florida i guess but i've not partaken wild and then other thanksgiving staples um have mainly come from southern cooking uh which include ham sweet potatoes casseroles uh various pies like pecan pies pudding mm. cornbread and even mac and cheese, which I really did not think really? was a southern cooking thing. I, so everything I like about Thanksgiving and, is and cobblers. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! All right. Yeah. So I guess Mama's that became roots are creeping in. part of the Thanksgiving tradition, just due to I guess a lot of a lot of Southerners relocating to different areas, especially after the Civil War and all of that, and then the South being famous for a number of various cookbooks, uh, which is something that I I did not have enough time to look into, but I'm very curious as to why so many, like, famous cooks are, like, Southerners, like Paula Deen and all those type of, you know, famous, like, (laughs) Southern mother-type cookers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess the the South has had the most national influence on the Hmm. traditional Thanksgiving treats that we all enjoy another interesting thing that i i thought came up was alexander hamilton was very adamant about having turkey for thanksgiving saying that uh no u.s citizen 
No citizen of the U.S. shall refrain from Turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so he <laughs> was else. very adamant that in order to be a true American, you have to have the, uh, Turkey on Thanksgiving Day, which made me wonder, <laughs> why do we currently pardon turkeys on Thanksgiving? You know, the presidents, mm. at least. Yeah, yeah, no. Which has become a bit of a popular, I don't know, show. Yeah. And that originated again with Abraham Lincoln, I guess. Uh, My boy. Who's wasn't because of him. It was because his son had pled with him to spare the turkey they were going to have, <laughs> uh, saying that it had as much of a right to live as anything else. And so he was wow. the the first president to actually pardon a turkey. Okay. Um, but that tradition did not stick around after Lincoln. Many think it started again with President George H.W. Bush, but mm. John F. Kennedy had actually also pardoned the turkey just a few days before he was assassinated, unfortunately. So, wow. Uh, it was the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, it was a bit of a common thing to have turkeys be delivered to the White House for some reason. I'm not sure. And I guess it is unknown if a number of the presidents actually spared that turkey that was given to them or not. But ever since George H.W. Bush, it's become common practice for the sitting president to pardon the turkey and let it live out the rest of its days on a farm uh, instead of enjoying it for the holiday Where's that farm at? I'm very interested as to where that turkey is, where those turkeys are. I know. I, I'm living. interested too. But then I'm also interested, like, why does the turkey get a pass where I'm almost guaranteeing they're eating some other sort of meat? Yeah. And then why did that? Well, they're probably eating still turkey, just a different one. <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe they eat ham, and then it's like, why did uh, why did that pig not get a a pardon? I don't know. I don't know. And then the the last holiday tradition that I I wanted to look into was the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which uh, I've only watched a, a handful of times, but it's a pretty big celebration, um, which has been going on basically every year since 1924. Wow! Originally, it's longer than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't really know Macy's was that old. I I'm finding that out about a lot of big popular companies is they're actually a lot older than I thought they were. But uh, originally it was Christmas themed, although it was held on Thanksgiving. You know, who knows why, but it was in celebration of their newly remodeled store in Manhattan. And they had a six mile long parade throughout most of New York, basically, um, (laughs) to basically celebrate the opening of what they deemed the world's largest store at the time. I don't think that was actually the world's largest store, but that's what they were claiming it as. And for this celebration, they it was mainly the employees of Macy's, which I think is pretty amazing that they were able to have a six-mile parade with mainly employees. But they also had uh, various entertainers and then animals from the the Central Park Zoo including elephants, bears, and donkeys. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> so it was a pretty crazy, wild dude. celebration to start it out. Hell yeah. And so basically after that, people really enjoyed it because that honestly would have been some spectacle. 
And after a couple of years in 1927, it changed to a Thanksgiving theme because it was on Thanksgiving. And that is mm -hmm. the year that they actually started doing their very big balloon floats, too, that uh, it's probably known for. At least that's that's why I know the parade for. Yeah, yeah. And the, the first balloons they had were a 20-foot a tall human, a 60-foot long dinosaur, <laughs> and a 25-foot long dash. Dachshund? Is that how it's actually pronounced? Oh, a, a wiener yeah, dog? a wiener dog. No way, bro. <laughs> and then they had some turkeys, awesome. obviously, because it's a Thanksgiving theme, but I don't know why they had the wiener That's dog. Awesome. Fuck yeah. Wieners are the best dogs ever. Shout out. Only tattoo I got. Sausage. <laughs> and uh, after that parade, they didn't actually have a plan to deflate them, so they just let them go into the air <laughs> where they eventually Wait, just were they popped. Because, were they the whole structures that they just let go, or is it one balloon at a time? Yeah, they they just let go of the the. Well, I mean, it's like one thing. big balloon structure, and they just let it go okay, and let okay. it pop. But then in the next year, they they came up with a different idea for how those balloons actually went, and they started a contest where they would fill it up with more helium and purposely let them go. And then have a contest to see who could return the balloons and then get a reward for that. Wild. And that, you know, if you're thinking, I don't know how that would work out well, it, you know, you're right. It didn't really work out very well. There was one balloon that ended up on, like, a rooftop, and then there was a whole giant fight that broke out over it. <laughs> so, some of the other ones just ended up in the ocean, and uh, other ones were actually collected, but... That, that continued on for a couple of years until there were some incidents with airplanes where there was one oh, no. uh, pilot who was actually planning and waiting for this to happen to snag one of the balloons. And then what? in a following year, there was another uh, pilot-to-be who purposely steered into the balloon trying to pop it and <laughs> <laughs> collect it, but the... the the uh, instructor was able to save them and prevent that at the last minute. <laughs> and after that, they decided <laughs> that was not the best solution for that. No. People are literally fucking trying to kill themselves, trying to catch a balloon. Yeah. Insane. And the prize was $100. Back in those days, that was probably a lot, but still, but still. to risk your life for, um, not, not quite sure. No, not quite worth it. <laughs> The last interesting Insane. fact I had about the parade was because of this parade that Macy's puts on almost every year, they had a little bit of time where they didn't because of, you know, the World War and all that, you know, who who the needs stuff. to talk about that. Yeah, they're actually the second largest consumer of helium in the world, all because of this one Damn. parade. And it's only beaten by the U.S. government, which includes a number of governmental agencies like nasa and all of that <laughs> and so literally this one Go day Macy's. consumes a very large majority of the world's helium supply. of the world's helium that's crazy macy coming in strong so i appreciate all those facts honestly that's a lot crazier everything is crazier than we always assume it is to be we talked i'm jumping back a little bit to what we were talking about with the turkeys that are pardoned I was interested and couldn't let it die. I didn't know there was such a crazy selection process for it. So usually 
a flock of about 50 to 80 birds that are like produced at a farm. They're grown and they don't get lessons or anything, but they're whoever is like the top 10 to 20 best like looking and well-behaved turkeys uh they're narrowed down into like a next like category and then turkey experts come and take a look at those and pick a final uh the two finalists pretty much and then they're shipped on over to washington and they actually stay at a fucking hotel in washington on (laughs) (laughs) on the national turkey federation expense so they they get a free ride to the white house until one of them is chosen to be pardoned that's insane. Pretty good for those two finalists. I know. Literally living in a hotel for Did this. you know that, also, that that was the process, or did you just look that up because I mentioned it? I looked it up because I was very interested, and it just got crazier and crazier as I kept reading. Wow. So what um, happens in the second place? Do they get eaten? I'm sure it probably just goes to get slaughtered. Oh, like no. Usual. That's probably the one that they actually eat, honestly. <laughs> They're probably eating the fucking runner-up. Oh, man. Honestly, that makes sense, doesn't it? I feel like that would that'd be perfect. Um, they got two good-ass toms or turkeys right there. Funny thing is, I was curious, how long do pardon turkeys usually last? I didn't realize that turkeys had such a short lifespan. Um, so the pardon turkeys, are like the, the, the very first couple, actually only lived... They usually died within the year of being pardoned. Oh, dang. I had no... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, turkeys that, like, grow up on a farm in comparison to, like, wild turkeys actually only live to be about five years old, uh, which is a lot shorter than I would have ever thought. Obviously, the lifespan of a pardon turkey has, like, improved over recent years. Uh, it's The average is about two years after being pardoned now, a little bit over that. Hmm. So not very long, not very long at all. I thought they were living to their, like, 20s or something at least. Yeah, wow. That's a that's a little sad. Everything's sad about history is what we're finding out. <laughs> Always depressing. So we're gonna go ahead and change the topic. Patrick, did you know that Canada had a Thanksgiving? I did know that, and it's a different day oh. than Thanksgiving. Damn it! Okay, or, yeah, it than is. Than what we know as Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why it's a different day is there was a different group of seamen that left from England, and ironically, they got to Canada much earlier than the settlers in Plymouth, about 50 years earlier, in fact. And they kind of created their own thing just for, like, being happy that they made it. And so they celebrated it with salt beef and mushy peas, giving (laughs) thanks that they actually made it across the ocean. Uh, So with that, it's actually in October. It's the second Monday of October every single year that they have their uh, Thanksgiving celebration. And it's usually uh, a jigs dinner, which is that salted meat that we talked about in split pea pudding. Instead of pumpkin pie, they usually have buttered tarts, little bit different things, kind of all over the place. Uh, Another interesting fact about it, though, is that it's not actually a holiday nationwide. It's a holiday throughout Canada except New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. They just said, uh, fuck it. No Thanksgiving for us, I guess. And then uh, another thing that I actually really appreciated that I thought was pretty cool is, so America's got Black Friday, right? Exactly the day after, cheap deals, whatever. Uh, They didn't do that. Instead, they picked Boxing Day. And what that is, is December 26th, pretty much the day after Christmas. Usually, like, royalty, upper-class people uh, would have 
um, basically servants working below them. And since the servants were obviously working for them on Christmas, it was a day for the richer uh, society to basically to give back to their servants. And so it was an act of charity where they gave uh, gifts to their servants saying like thank you for all your work and we like really appreciate you which I thought was actually really sweet I really liked that I liked that a lot and then the last thing I want to say about Thanksgiving is there actually used to be a thing called Thanksgiving masking uh, so Thanksgiving actually for a little period of time looked kind of like Halloween except pretty much more racist in like the early 1900s kids there was this whole day literally called ragamuffin day where they would dress up as like poor individuals and like would dress up in like uh, clothes that didn't fit that were like tearing and they basically like pretended to be homeless and just would like walk around and like make fun of poor people (laughs) and then they also did other things that just like made fun of like other ethnicities so not really the greatest thing at all and it only lasted a little while before people were like hey we probably shouldn't do this. That was actually the celebration uh, that the Macy's Day Parade like took over because that happened, oh, I damn. think, about four years before the Macy's Day Parade started. And uh, that's that day was basically used for, for the holiday you had mentioned. But then Macy's was like, hey, let's actually make this a little more, I don't know, appropriate for everyone. More and more family and friendly. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it eventually became unpopular, and then the whole tradition of dressing up pretty much transitioned slowly into what we know Halloween to be today. So I looked it up, and the presidents still do eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I had no idea. Of course. Of course I, they do. I they had thought that one. the whole point of pardoning the turkey was that you're not going to eat turkey, and you're not—I would have thought not eating animals because you're trying not to kill anything— but I knew that that probably wasn't the case. I had no idea they just ate a different turkey. That's a little depressing. Well, I think uh, that's all we have for this uh, Thanksgiving episode. We kind of went through a a number of things from you know what we enjoy about the holiday, similar to how we did for Halloween, and then moving into what actually constitutes the modern practice that we have today, and then a bunch of random facts as you always get with what's going on so hopefully you learn something or at least have something that you could kind of mention to somebody and say you might have heard of something uh just to start an interesting conversation as always we're hoping that you start wondering about something that you've never wondered about so thank you for listening and i hope you have a safe and happy holiday thank you are we done yet oh we are all right Thanks for listening to What's Going On. If you have any questions that you want partially answered, write them in to what's going on the pod at gmail.com. No spaces, no apostrophes, no excuses. One more time, that's what's going on the pod at gmail.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. Please rate and subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Thank you.